Hey, this is Pastor Spencer with Racine Bible Church. You're listening to a sermon from a Sunday morning. Good morning. Who's ready to get into God's word this morning? Nine. All right. Uh, can you guys turn to Luke chapter 13 this morning? I'm super excited uh, to share with you from God's word. And today, uh, we're going to celebrate Jesus and how great he is. Uh, before I even begin, a couple people have asked me what it uh, feels like to be having two guards preach from this pulpit in three weeks. And uh, I'll just say, Carol and I have felt three things seeing our son up here a couple weeks ago, thankful, honored, and humbled. Thank you for praying for our boy these past 21 years, not just when he got up and shared God's word. He's walking with the Lord, and that's what I celebrate, not just his giftings. Uh, when I thought about another Bielgard coming up here, I was reminded of what George Whitfield, a uh, 18th century English preacher, once said. He said, let the name of George Whitfield perish as long as Christ is exalted. And I'm here to say, let the name of Bielgard perish as long as Jesus Christ is exalted. Today's passage, uh, just the title you see up on the screen is Jesus for the win. Uh, I read the end of the book and he wins and he wins decisively. And we're going to see here in this passage where he wins and wins decisively in this little old synagogue a couple months before he is executed on a cross. And what I want to get a po the point, the main point I want to get across to everyone this morning is what we're seeing here in Scripture is real people with real problems and real supernatural transformation that Jesus does in human beings. So today we're going to see a woman, a helpless woman, transformed by Jesus Christ and changed forever, a real person. And uh, if you're anything like me, and I trust you're not, but if you are, sometimes I read across these stories, and I don't think about that that was an actual real person that lived here on earth 2,000 years ago. She had the same problems. She had the same issues we all do. And she met Jesus and was changed. So in Luke chapter 13, starting in verse 10, Luke 13, starting in verse 10, what I like to do, just kind of get into God's word and remind you as we're reading this, Hebrews chapter 13, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. That's the one we're going to read about today. So will you read with me? And then I'll pray for our time. Luke 13, starting verse 10. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, not on the Sabbath day. And the, then the Lord answered him, you hypocrites. Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox, his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? As he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. And here it is. All the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. We pray with me? 
Lord, I'm just a lispering, stammering tongue here in the pulpit, but Lord Jesus, I pray that you would speak through these people. Lord, I've spent countless hours with you in the past few weeks looking at this passage, and Lord, you are glorious, and the things you do are glorious, and I love you today in front of this congregation. I just pray, Lord, you would speak uh, through your word, your Holy Spirit would anoint it, and people would be changed, and when we're done at 10, 15, we'd be different than when we walked in at 9. So, Lord, come, uh, be amongst your people and speak through your word. For 2,000 years, people have been transformed by your word, and I pray today would be the same. And Jesus, I pray for your glory. Amen. Well, like I said, Luke chapter 13, if you've been with me before, we're just going to kind of walk through the passage and just kind of do Bible study together, and we'll let the word speak for itself. Verse 10, it says, Now he was teaching in one of the, Sabbaths, one of the synagogues, on the Sabbath. So first thing I want you to notice is this is the last recorded in, in, this is the last recorded in, instance that Jesus was ever teaching in a synagogue. A couple months from now he's going to be at the cross and this was his last time in the synagogue and he's there on the Sabbath and he's doing what he always did. Verse 10 it says he was teaching. And I thought about that. I imagine if I was in that synagogue hearing Jesus teaching 2000 years ago uh, well, we have in Scripture some of his teaching, but he was constantly teaching the same thing. Come into my kingdom. Come into my kingdom. Come into my kingdom. Keeping the law does not get you to heaven. Being a good person does not get you into heaven. The word on the street about being good and keeping the law, it's not true. You cannot keep the law perfectly. Your righteousness is not enough to have you come to be in my kingdom. You must live a perfect life. You must be perfect in thought, word, and deed if you are going to come into my kingdom and the kingdom of my Father. And I thought people would be like, what can we do? And uh, like in the book of Acts, what must we do to be saved? And Jesus would have said, admit your sinfulness. Trust in me alone, and I personally will save you. Come to me. And I thought parenthetically, it's the same message we teach here at RBC today. Jesus says, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Can you see Jesus teaching this 2,000 years ago? And he's like, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. I'm going to do it all for you. And then verse 11, Luke sets the stage, and he says, behold... There was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. And I'll just stop right there in the middle of verse 11. A couple things I want you to realize in first century, in first century Israel, if you were a woman, you were kind of the lowest on the social stratus. And if you had a disability, we've seen this in other passages of Scripture, people thought you probably had some secret sin. There was some sinful reason that you were born or had this disability. And I just thought, this poor woman... Uh, she was an outcast. She was the lowest of the low. And Luke writes, behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit. And then it says, for 18 years. And I've been uh, talking to some of you parents whose children just went off. They just graduated high school and they're off to college. And the, the same refrain I heard from uh, many parents, it went so fast. They were just a baby and now they're off away at college. It went so fast. This woman wouldn't have said that. Those 18 years did not go fast for her. And here she is in the synagogue again. Behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years, and it says she was bent over and could not fully straighten herself up. And I thought, 
I'm sure there was some well-meaning people at the synagogue would say, you know, God helps those who help themselves. If you just keep a little bit more of the law, maybe God would heal you of your uh, condition. Or maybe they could have said, you know, if you eat certain foods, maybe you're eating too much gluten, and that's causing your back to kind of bend over. Or maybe they might have said, uh, try this stretching exercise. You know, I do this every morning, and then I do this, and it just seems to really help my back. Or maybe they were saying something like, you know, I read in a book somewhere, if you just balance and you walk around like this for 15 minutes a day, it'll really improve your posture. Maybe that's what will help you uh, with your bent over position. Or maybe they said, try some of these oils. They're essential for good health. (sighs) Maybe it's a generational curse. Maybe that's why you're bent over. Maybe there's some secret sins. Maybe that's why you're bent over. And I think about this woman and try and try and try. What is, well, what does the word say? She could not fully straighten herself. She had heard it all. She had tried it all. And she couldn't straighten up. But the thing that really struck me about this woman, according to this text, it appears that she kept showing up to worship God. It seemed like she kept coming to synagogue to worship. And I thought, you know, this woman could have said, you know, it's no use following and honoring God. I haven't been healed. It's too hard to get there every week. You know, it takes me like four times as long to get to synagogue as everybody else because of my gait, and it just takes me forever. And then when I get there, you know what? I'm the outcast. No one even knows I exist. I go to the synagogue ABF, no one talks to me. No one. Why would I go? And if I've learned one thing from being a Christian for almost 26 years, 90% of the Christian life is just showing up. Just show up. Well, she made Jesus and worshiping God her number one priority. And I thought about this woman. She probably would quote Job, though he slay me, yet I will praise him. Week after week, coming to the synagogue, week after week, she made worshiping God her priority. Not because he was giving her anything necessarily, but because he was worthy. And I thought about this. Even if Jesus didn't save me, he's still worthy of my praise. And this woman came to the conclusion, no matter what, though he slay me, still I will praise him. I'm going to worship him. So I ask you today, 2,000 years later, is he worthy? Have you made him your number one priority, worshiping Jesus Christ? Well, for this woman, this day was different. This day was different. Verse 12, we continue with the story. It says, when Jesus saw her, and I'll just stop there, those first four words in verse 12, when Jesus saw her. Now remember, she's bent over, so she couldn't see Jesus, but he saw her. And wherever you're sitting in the sanctuary, he sees you today. And it says he saw her. He didn't see her low social standing, but he saw her. He saw her whole life. He saw her, the totality of who this woman was. He saw her as she was knitted together in her mother's womb. He saw her parents' pride and joy when she came home. He saw her awkward teen years. He saw her former friends that maybe had deserted her. He saw her happy days when she was married and with children in the house. He saw her when the disabling spirit began. He saw her as the disabling spirit progressed in her life. He saw her. He saw the real her. And today, I proclaim to you that Jesus sees who you really are today. And he loves you. Everything that made her who she was, Jesus saw in that little sentence when Jesus saw her. 
And what's crazy, the second half of verse, seven, verse 12, it says, he called her over. So in the middle of Jesus' teaching, he's teaching uh, elevated position. In the middle of his teaching, what does it say? It says he called her over. And use my sanctified imagination. All of a sudden, he stops. Louisa. Louisa. Come here. Come here. And I imagine Louisa was probably sitting way in the back corner, kind of where I was sitting today. These aren't really good seats over here, actually. And here she's sitting here, and Jesus calls out, come here. Can you imagine her getting up? Coming. 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 And the service was stopped. Oh, coming. Coming. Sometimes it's hard to come to Jesus. What does the Bible say? It said he called her over and said, Woman, you are freed from your disabilities. And then verse 13, it says he laid his hands on her. Immediately, she was made straight. 18 years, Jesus speaks a word, and she's totally healed. Use your imagination. What do you think happened to this companion of hers for 18 years? I don't need it anymore. I'm done. I've been healed. And what does it say? Immediately she was made straight. One touch from Jesus and 18 years of suffering are over. Prophecy is fulfilled. He sets the captives free. Immediately she was made straight. Behold the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus wins that day and wins decisively. This woman is made upright. And what does it say in the second half of verse 13? It says she glorified God. What did that look like that day? So for the first time, she's not looking at the dust of the earth, but she lifts her eyes up and she comes face to face. She's standing next to Jesus and he sees the perfect, precious, loving, all-knowing, compassionate eyes of the Son of God. Nearly two years, two decades of bondage are gone. She's telling everyone who listened loudly, Jesus healed me. It was 100% grace. I didn't do anything. I was crooked. He made me straight. I was crooked. He made me straight. You guys all saw it. I'm telling the world, Jesus made me straight. The Son of God gets all the glory. I didn't do anything. So I tell you today, Christian, those of you Jesus has rescued, do you remember when Jesus made you straight? Do you remember a habitual sin you couldn't overcome? Do you remember what you were in bondage to? Do you remember when he made you straight? Maybe you had a foul mouth or a bad temper Maybe you would get jealous out of hand. Maybe you were greedy or envious. Maybe you suffered from self-righteousness and went to church your whole life and just looked down on other people. You were crooked. Maybe you had self-love. Maybe you just loved yourself so much. Maybe you were in bad relationships and he got you out. Maybe you suffered from depression and he lifted the veil. Maybe it was a physical issue like this lady we just acted out. Or maybe it was just basic run-of-the-mill unbelief and you were crooked and you knew it and you couldn't fix yourself and you ran into Jesus and he healed you. 
Remember that crooked man from Chicago that Jesus made straight? I do. I'm him. For 29 years I was crooked and I met Jesus and he straightened me up and he took away the bondages that had held me fast. Do you remember what he's done for you? Sometimes I forget and these stories remind me of what Jesus has done and it's glorious. I thought about this. If you went home today and your neighbor came to the door and said, hey, while you were gone, the bill collector came and uh, was demanding payment and you weren't home so I just went over and I paid the bill collector for you and you said, well... It depends what the bill collector paid would determine your amount of thankfulness. If they said, well, you had postage due for this letter and it was two bucks and I hooked you up and I paid for it, I, don't pay me back. You'd probably shake his hand like, thank you, you're a very good neighbor. But if they said the IRS back tax people came and you owe $350,000 and I paid it for you and you don't pay me back, you'd be apt to probably fall down and worship. And that's what this woman did. She glorified God and worshiped him. So moving on, verse 14, incredibly... There's opposition. You see, it's getting out there. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. This woman uh, is glorifying God and opposition occurs. Verse 14, the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, he didn't say it to Jesus, he said it to the people, there are six days in which to work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, not on a Sabbath day. Two things I'd like to point out. First of all, this uh, ruler of the synagogue, religious, dignified, respected, self-righteous leader speaks. And he says, listen to me. Don't listen to him. Listen to me. Don't listen to Jesus. I'm here to protect the law. Well, except for the second commandment about loving your neighbors yourself. I'm not really into that one. But I'm here to protect all the other laws. And I thought parenthetically, might he have thought differently if that was his daughter or his mom? that got healed that day, I think he might have had a different story. Well, he was indignant, and as crazy as being indignant of Jesus doing a glorious thing, what he said was crazier in my mind. What does he say? There's six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, not on the Sabbath day. What's really crazy is no one was getting healed at that puny old synagogue. No one was getting healed. Jesus heals people. So it's not like, oh, man, you should have been here last Thursday. We had three different healings. We had a blind guy. We had a lame guy. We had a mute guy. They, oh, they all got healed. It was great. It's like, no, they weren't. And Jesus calls them out on it, verse 15 and 16. Then the Lord answered him, you hypocrites. Does not each of you on a Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water? Of course they do. And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? Jesus is basically saying to the religious leader, you're in greater bondage than the woman I just healed. You're in this religious hypocrisy bondage, which is super dangerous. So I thought a couple chapters before in Luke chapter 12, Jesus warns the people, and I think he warns us here today, we're seeing Bible church family, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So this person, he it appears he gathered up some of the people there to believe the hypocrisy they could be healed whenever you want. And uh, I thought today in church, we can become hypocrites too by covering up our sins. And I feel like whenever I cover my sins, I honor the name Wayne Bielgard, and I can honor the great Bielgard family name because we got it going on. We got it squeaky clean. But man, if I admit my sin or my faults or my struggles, Jesus can heal me. But when I come out and I say, everything's great, everything's great, I'm honored, not Jesus. 
And now, parenthetically, I continue to suffer. See, Jesus wants us to come clean with things. So I affirm and I exhort you, going into your ABF class, second hour, if something's going on or if you have something going on, there are ABF leaders in each of these classes that would love to pray for you. They would love to seek Jesus' help for you on, on your behalf. So don't cover it. Bring it into the light as Jesus is in the light. Well, I preached all that to get to this verse. To be honest with you, this is the verse. Verse 17, and as he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. So they're kind of be shown as false. They're all put to shame. They're kind of out of the way. Kind of foreshadows judgment for those people who reject Jesus long enough. Eventually they're put out of the way. And then we all who love Jesus go on to heaven. So it says, as he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. And all the people, all of them, all the people in the synagogue, all the people rejoiced. Uh, I had to ask Darren to help me what that uh, word rejoice means in the original language. Uh, it's pronounced, Darren? Cairo, exactly. It's pronounced Cairo, and uh, what that means is over and over and over again, people were rejoicing and bringing glory to God. It was exceedingly great happiness. They were blown away. They were stunned by what Jesus had just done and what he was doing. So that second half of verse 17 says, all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. And I thought, glorious things were done by Jesus. Not just this woman being healed of her back that was crooked, but real people with real problems and real transformations were made straight. Psalm 92.1 says, it's good to give thanks to the Lord. Psalm 92.4 says, for you, O Lord, have made, have made me glad by your work. The works of your hands I sing for joy. And in a dark, difficult world full of bad news, good news has never tasted so good. So I'm going to end this service the last 10 minutes or so. We're going to look at a couple uh, things Jesus has done just in the past couple years. And uh, we're going to show a couple pictures on the slides. Uh, and my friend Ann is going to help me do that in the back. And I want you to remember, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and, for, and forever. These are real people that we all know come to this church with real problems, and Jesus really transformed them. And as a result, verse 17, all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. Let's go through some, and we'll see some of the glorious things that Jesus has done. This is Todd Edie on the left and Sam Azarian on the right. Jesus saves both men three years ago. Todd was a policeman for 19 years in Racine. Uh, had to step down from the police force because he was suffering from PTSD from years on the force. Couldn't sleep. Uh, and he was in a really hard spot. Him and Sam came to a Bible study. Uh, Sam uh, and Todd both gave their life to Jesus Christ in a matter of months. Todd has since been able to start sleeping at night, and he doesn't have these horrific nightmares that he had. Sam, on the right, his son was killed in a horrific uh, construction accident one year after he was saved. Still follows and trusts Jesus Christ. Both these men are walking with the Lord today. Uh, parenthetically, that picture was taken in Honduras. Both these men went on an RBC missions trip uh, with the Pazings to help build a school for the poor children there. They were given seven days to do it. They did it in three. And then Dennis had to come up with some painting for them to do <laughs> for the rest, for the next four days. Okay, next. This is Dan Mason. Dan Mason was a nice, moral, lukewarm Christian. One and a half years ago, Jesus visits him and convicts him of his sin. He's been on fire ever since. His wife gushes. His kids love their new dad. 
Just ask them. Every Tuesday night, he takes men out for dinner and shares Christ with them on his own dime. Next one. This is Mike Cook. Many of us know this story. In May, uh, contracts COVID. He starts slipping from bad to worse, winds up in a hospital. It gets worse. It gets worse. It gets worse. His daughter calls some people and says, they've just given my dad a 50-50 chance of living. A fast goes out. Uh, people plead for Jesus to heal uh, Mike Cook. Jesus heals him. He vocally glorifies God, and today he'll be helping lead a second-hour ABF class. Glorious things Jesus has done. This is Anthony and Raylan D'Elia. Raylan D'Elia is 32 years old. This past summer, she makes the Olympic team for Team Italy on 3-on-3 three three basketball. She's in Tokyo for a month representing uh, in the Olympics. Now, that's cool, but that's not really glorious. What's glorious is after every game, she FaceTimed her dad and said, pray for me. And Anthony prays for her. Ten years ago, that would not have happened. Ten years ago, neither one of those were praying, let alone a 32-year-old girl calling her dad and saying, will you pray for me when I'm in the Olympics? This is glorious, my brothers and sisters. Next slide. This is Brandon James, good brother, loves Jesus, but kind of had an edge, if you know what I mean. If you don't, <laughs> I used to have an edge. Well, a year ago, he starts losing his eyesight, gets diagnosed with glaucoma at 38 years old. Three months ago, at a Bible study, he praises God for his glaucoma because it's made him a softer Christian. Last Sunday, right out there in the hall, I talked to his wife, Claire. She was overjoyed what Jesus has done in her husband's heart through something like glaucoma. These are glorious things. Next one. Eric Knighted for more suffering. Painful divorce a few years back. He comes out of it. He loves Jesus more. He leads kids to Christ in our youth group. He leads men and women to Jesus in an ABF class. And he leads his four kids to Jesus here at home. When I look at Eric Nidefer, I see man of God. Next one. Right in the middle of that family picture is John Kirchner. Walks away from Jesus. Gets divorced. Uh, by chance, runs into his Christian daughter who was praying for her dad. Uh, Christian daughter here from RBC. Uh, they run into each other. She uh, loves on him. He repents of his sins. He starts following Jesus. He reconnects with his wife, reconnects with his family, remarries his wife after being divorced for 10 years. I can't make this stuff up, you guys. This is glorious. Now he serves around the church with the less fortunate, using his hands, the skill God has given him to bring glory and honor to him. And I saved the best for last. You see, Jesus is at his best when he's saving people from their sins, when he's saving people from going to hell. You see, Revelation 20:15 says, anyone's name was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. We're going to look at some pictures of some people who are not going to be cast in the lake of fire. And this has happened just in the past two years. Our first picture, this is Tom Cook, Mike and Bridget Cook's son. Grew up in the church. Uh, kind of never really believing, just kind of going through the motions. Goes on a missions trip with the youth group uh, with some middle school leaders who love the Lord. They share Christ with them. He's convicted of a sin. He repents and believes. First person, first people to find out that he had got right with the Lord, mom and dad, the ones who have faithfully sowed seed into his heart all those years. Would you like to have been there in that living room when he shared the good news? These are glorious brothers. Rejoice at all the glorious things that are done by Jesus. Next one, Josh Weber. We heard this a couple weeks ago from Caleb. 
Caleb shared his story, radically saved, now leading others to the Lord. He's constantly grateful for his rescue. He's a leader in youth group now. He leads two college studies, and he attends a men's study. Josh is grateful for his near escape from going to hell. Next one. It's kind of a personal favorite of mine. This is, uh, this is Calvin Rose. Calvin Rose is a Parkside student. Uh, fellow student Kathy Hummerson, who goes to our church, reaches out to him, shares the gospel with him. He's radically saved, starts to love Jesus. And how does he love Jesus? He starts buying witnessing T-shirts. Now, these things were all the rage when I first got saved, and I thought they were kind of corny. But I don't know. This guy made them cool. So he's wearing, he's wearing these shirts. I can just put it up here. He's wearing these shirts, God is great, everywhere he goes. As a matter of fact, last week on Sunday, one of the girls leading worship was wearing those God is great t-shirts. So I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. So this guy goes from zero to 60, doesn't know anything about Jesus, just on fire for him, extreme exuberance. And I thought about uh, Calvin, I think about Winston Churchill when he describes a fanatic. Can't change his mind and won't change the subject. That's Calvin Rose. You can even see in the picture, he's got a Jesus is King t-shirt on. Next one, Cody Azarian. Sam Azarian is his uncle. Cody's father died uh, when he was five years old. He's just a little boy. A friend reaches out to him, uh, unbeknownst to the friend. He was going through a lot of hard times. His best friend had just been killed in a motorcycle accident. And uh, his friend brings him to a Bible study uh, just this past September, so 11 months ago. Two months later, two days before Thanksgiving, Jesus meets him. Jesus saves him. He cries out for mercy, and he's saved. Immediately, he starts sharing with friends and family, co-workers. He's an uh, assistant wrestling coach at South Milwaukee Wrestling Team, sharing the gospel with those kids. And if I think about Cody, I would say Philippians 3.10 describes him. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. Jesus radically saves him from going to hell. Next one. Dave Barrera III, affectionately known as DB3, another church kid, kind of marginally involved all these years. His dad starts bringing him to a Bible study with him. Uh, he comes for a couple months. One week, his dad doesn't come. He plays horrible in his uh, high school golf team. He comes on his own with a friend. It's his turn to talk. He just cries out, I need God, and starts weeping. Men gather around him. He gives his heart to Jesus Christ, reports it to his mom and dad. I got right with God tonight. These are glorious things Jesus has done. If you know DB3, there's one thing that I would say about him, joy, joy. This just happened a few months ago. Next one, just met this man, Como Negret. He's a competitive bodybuilder. Uh, 12 weeks ago, he's at the gym uh, working out, and he sees someone wearing this T-shirt. And he goes up to him and says, hey, man, what's going on? Calvin Rose who had got saved eight months prior, starts sharing the good news with him, invites him to a men's Bible study. Unbeknownst to Calvin, Como had some serious medical issues, and he was broken. He had walked away from the Lord for a couple of years. He comes week after week after week. Seven years ago, Jesus breaks his heart in the study, goes out into the parking lot. No one knew, but he knew, and just broke down in his car weeping asking the Lord to have mercy on him. The next day, someone leads him to Jesus Christ. He's saved, he's excited about Jesus, and he's growing in his faith. This just happened seven weeks ago. And our last slide for today, this is Roger and Vani Zindler. Roger and Vani were married a little over a year ago, chose RBC because they loved Spencer's preaching. Two weeks ago, both announced in their ABF class, we are trusting Jesus and we want to follow him. Real people, real problems, real transformations. Let's rejoice in this Jesus that we serve. 
I've asked Brennan to sing over us. So in your heart, two things. One, let's praise the Lord together for the glorious things he has done. And let's fulfill this verse which says, all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. To find out more about our ministry, contact us at racinebible.org. Thank you for listening.